This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood movies. This week, we're taking a look at The Road to El Dorado to see if our nostalgia is warranted. All right, Mark, this was your pick, so you're going to start us off here with your version of our game, 60-second synopsis. Are you ready? We'll find out. (laughs) Perfect. All right, I'll give you a countdown. Three, two, one, go. We meet Tulio and Miguel as they win a map to the fabled city of El Dorado in a game of craps. It is discovered that they were using loaded dice, and they narrowly escape the guards by pretending to fight. During the escape, they land in a pair of barrels, which get loaded on a ship where they are discovered and locked up as stowaways. They escape with the help of the horse Altivo and end up on an unknown beach. Soon they discover many landmarks from the map and start searching for El Dorado. They reach the final marker on the map where they meet a young woman running from guards. The guards take all three of them through a hidden entrance to El Dorado where Tulio and Miguel are mistaken as gods. With Chell's help, they plan to keep up the ruse long enough to steal some gold and head back to Spain. In the meantime, the high priest is trying to prove their divinity so he can take power in the village. During a ball game, Miguel gets a cut on his forehead and the priest realizes they are not gods, so he devises a plan to get rid of them. During his attack, he falls into a whirlpool and is sucked out of the village where he finds Cortez and his army, and who also appear to him to be gods. The priest leads them to the secret entrance, but it has been smashed and blocked by Miguel, Tulio, and Chell, so the would-be conquerors decide El Dorado doesn't exist and they leave, while our trio of heroes ride off to their next adventure. So close! Oh, just two <laughs> seconds over. Much shorter than my last attempt. I think it was over 20 seconds over. Well, we'll try to get better at that. Anyway, let's go on to long form. So, what did you guys see in the movie this time that you missed as children? That intro! song what? and the it, intro like, song the, the song El Dorado. terrible it was and like he formed El Dorado. it was like the intro to hercules but yeah. somehow more trippy like yeah neon colors elton john it was just overwhelming oh i loved it to me really? it was like uh yes oh my god yes it really brought me into the film because it was animating it in the style of the traditional carvings that these people did where things are very blocky and very stylized animals that that i liked there was just the, the, I don't the know. song itself and all of the crazy colors was kind of too much Oh, I very you know much what? It's interesting. It. it brought me in. It's interesting that you say that, though, because when we did Tarzan, I think yes, it was did. Tarzan, that you complained through the whole thing about how the music was narrating what we saw on screen. I am glad you brought it up. <laughs> so, uh, so in this, for that song specifically, because it's the opening number, it's, it's kind of the overture. It's kind of prologue. explaining the story. Prologue yes, the prologue is the word you true, and sure. and that it wasn't explaining exactly what Overtures was happening. Although there were Fine. multiple times that that Elton was singing along, telling us what was happening on no. screen. No, that was the thing for me. Is he was singing like he was telling us what was on 
on the screen, but if you listen to the lyrics, really, none of it made sense. None of it actually <laughs> applied to what was happening. Like, I'm pretty sure the one that was like, oh, which one was it? There were some of them that, I mean, if someone wanted to argue that this was actually a love story between Tulio and Miguel, yes. the Elton John lyrics would support them. <laughs> Uh, I could definitely buy that. that you See, mean what, I, at the end when they were like the best friends parting ways or whatever, there was a whole song about that. See, I liked it more than Tarzan, which I'm glad you brought up because it didn't narrate specifically what I was seeing on screen. It was more, this is the theme of the emotions that are going on now. It is complementing what is going on screen instead of describing exactly what I'm seeing. I suppose. I, yeah, as a... Pr- I, I think it was just the Elton John for me in general. I hated it. I thought it was awful. <laughs> yeah. Well, you remember and I say this is... when, when we were looking at this uh, in our trying to figure out what we're watching next little clip um, that I said that I was looking at IMDb and they had Elton John listed as the narrator. And I, I mean, mostly he just sings songs in the background of the stuff. I don't know if that's if yeah. you consider that narrating the story, but... Um, I mean, he definitely does it for that opening number, but yeah, there's not many other cases for it. And I say this as someone, as I love early Elton John music by himself, I love a lot of Tim Rice Elton John stuff. I love Lion King, I love uh, Adia, which is another Tim Rice Elton John. But yet this one, I couldn't do it. I just, (laughs) there's a certain style of Elton John I really, really hate, and it's kind of the later stuff, the like Philadelphia freedom sounding stuff, and that was like all of these songs, and the (laughs) only song I enjoyed in this movie was the one that Elton John does not thing, sing, which is the It's Hard to Be a God. Tough to be a Tough God. To be a Tough to be a God. God which, Where they get a, a horse drunk. Yeah. Yes, but, but, but it felt like it was more in, and it's the only song that characters sing, which is weird. Yes. But I felt like it fit better. And there's something about the like really 90s poppy Elton John music going with Hans Zimmer's instrumentals, which are fit so well. And they use a lot of Spanish guitar and things like that. And it's so good. And then, Oh, nope. Now it's time to sing Elton John songs. I will and say I just, okay. that the actual score with by Hans Zimmer and John Powell was I liked yes. a lot better than the one than the songs with lyrics in them. I'm I'm with Mark on that one. All right, fair enough. It's funny you bring up It's Tough to Be a God as the example of the song you really enjoyed because that is another very trippy song where it starts out normal, but as the characters get drunker, like it goes into this LSD dreamscape. I like their bodies are being warped into bubbles and floating up into the sky. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's like, um, Pink elephants on parade, but less terrifying. <laughs> I just felt like the fact that the characters were singing, it fit a little bit more of the style of the like um, South America mixed with the Spanish guitar and having those two things. Mm. It, it fit for me better rather than this overly poppy music number with oh, lyrics like fair. lyrics in the one that starts out the tr- the the credits have lyrics like. I'll turn and I'll see you as if our love was new. <laughs> they weren't dating. <laughs> well, no, uh, no, they weren't. I mean, but then Chell came along, so yeah. But but there was oh, it's just oh, the, I when, don't know. When Tulio and Chell were getting ready to leave, there was that whole sad song about 
friends parting ways because oh, Miguel yeah. wanted to stay there, and it was this whole thing about how they will. Friends never say goodbye. Yes, yes, which is not true at all. I mean, yes, you say you're still friends, but you do say goodbye. It's a thing people do. Maybe it's like the French thing where the dif- there's a difference between saying goodbye for like the day and saying goodbye forever. Hmm. Perhaps. I don't know. All right, so let's let's bring people back into the story here. Let's let's give it a little context. So uh, I had totally forgotten the entire story of this thing. Um, oh, so one of the things I really enjoyed was their their travel to El Dorado. So they're following this map. They won in a, a dice game that they cheated, and technically the really they enjoyed, won the map without cheating. But it's true. But sure, <laughs> fine. Um, but I loved the landmarks on the map because all of them, as they discover them, have to do with perspective. You have to be at the certain point looking at it just right in order for it to match the symbol on the map. And that was a really nice moment of like this 3D animation combining with oh, 2D. I, DreamWorks did some really beautiful animation in that that time period. Like mm-hmm. there was some really great scenery in that scene and... Um, some of the like visual shots of like the whole city of El Dorado were just really pretty. Yeah, the uh, the 3D effects were brilliant in this in a way that maybe Anastasia didn't combine 2D and 3D well. Yeah. This did it a lot better, uh, particularly like the reflection of the characters in like the gold pieces or on people's armor. I thought that was exceptional. The one problem I had with the animation was actually at the end, like all the piles of gold on the boat looked like garbage compared to the rest of the film. Yeah. I Uh, think that was the difference between it being a background rather than an actual animated thing. This isn't my favorite DreamWorks animated, but you can definitely still see that, like, for a while, you can see why they were giving, like, Disney a run for their money during this mm-hmm. time period. Oh, absolutely. I think this film fell under the radar. It did. It, this was not one of the, the big ones. I thought I saw that it was, like, a $90 million budget and made 76.4 at the box office. It did not office. make its budget. So. Yeah, that is rough. I could see that, given that... This really isn't a kids movie. True. Given that there's there's male nudity where they show That's the two true. characters' butts, uh, and then there's kind of a love scene between mm. Tulio and Shell, <laughs> yeah. which uh, where they they definitely start flirting, and the next scene we see them, they are getting up from the ground. A, a couple people get straight up murdered in this movie, but not as many as previous DreamWorks, because. Um, he pushes his helper, stupid lackey guy, into the, the yeah. potion. He's straight up true. dead. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, uh, but the one as, I was thinking of. Oh, go ahead. But not as much as normal DreamWorks movies, because like they had Prince of Egypt, and so many people. Well, died in I that mean, one. when you're telling that story, that's kind of part of the story, though. Yeah. So we'll get back to the context of the scene I'm about to describe, but there's a scene where I think they put in some ADR because it may have frightened children where this guy, so there's this big animated jaguar made of stone. We'll get into how it forms. Oh, yes. Where it's, he said, uh, a guy falls off it, is like, I'm okay. And then he gets smashed by one of the legs. And I think the ADR line was just him saying, I'm still okay. Yeah. Yeah. When he's not even on screen. Uh. Oh goodness! Which is kind of funny, considering there's some things in here that are are pretty hardcore. 
like would have been scary for me as a child. I mean, I was, what would I have been? 11, 12 when this came out. So a little past the, the point of still wanting to see an animated movie, but past the point where literally everything weird would scare me. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about El Dorado as a whole. So oh. I mean, we have, we have the two people, Tulio and Miguel. I totally forgot that I both, I knew both of the actors that voiced these people. Like at the time, I, I and I knew at the time, even when I was like 11, who they were, because I'd seen movies they were in before. I did not remember that it was Kevin Klein and Kenneth Branagh at all. Yeah, Kenneth Branagh is a name that I've heard a lot, but I can't picture him. Like I looked him up and in his previous roles, the one that I've seen the most is Harry probably Potter. no him playing the bad guy in Wild Wild, Wild, Wild West. West. Yes. See, I knew him from, um, he's actually known mostly for being a very trained Shakespearean actor and has done a lot of Shakespeare stuff. Um, and that's what I knew him for because I had seen Much Ado About Nothing would have been the first movie I saw him in, which weirdly also involves male butts. So maybe <laughs> it's just a Kenneth Branagh thing. It's possible. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Harry Potter because I had not considered that. He's Gildory Lockhart? He is Lockhart. Okay, that's going to bring more people into be able to picture this guy. Uh, and amazingly enough, I mentioned Kevin Klein to some of the friends of mine, and I couldn't find a single title where they had seen him. Oh, I, I recognized his Kevin name Klein. before I recognized the other guy, but I don't, has... I don't, I wouldn't be able to tell you what I've seen him in. I just know that I hey, know his name. Let's say it again. He was also in Wild Wild West. Oh, that's right. He was the guy that was not Will Smith. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Uh, the other, th- like, A Fish Called Wanda and French Kiss are my only other has, touchstones for has him. Has no one seen Soap Dish? No. Oh. I think I referenced it here because uh, we did Sally Field uh, yeah. being sassy. Oh, you have to watch Soap Dish. It's great. All right. We and will it has Kevin Kelline in it. I watched uh, that as a child. So bringing it back to the context, these are the two main guys, the con men who come to El Dorado, claim to be gods. Uh, Chell is the native who is also kind of a con woman. And I she really is. liked her character where she, she she was just taking no sass from either of the I boys. I was on the fence from her. I liked okay. most of her. But there was, and I don't know if it was the lines or the voice acting or what, but there was several parts, especially early on in her character, that compared to everything around her seemed very modern. Mm. Like the way of speaking and it kind of... I okay. I think that match. a lot of the movie though was that way for me where like the 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 words that they used and some of the just the way that they spoke seemed more modern than it should have been but it was there, set there was in that old about yes, Shell it's set that, in 1519. There's something about Shell that really stood out to me at parts that oh she seems really kind of but like the idea of her character and especially her in like more of the second half of the movie when she's become more of their advisor. Mm-hmm. I liked her, but there was a few points in the very beginning when you first meet her that I'm like, I, it doesn't quite gel with the rest of the acting. I could definitely see that because the way she talks definitely doesn't suggest that she's been part of a closed society all of her life. She seems to know a lot about the outside world and at least like knowing where these guys are coming from in terms of this is how you con people. This is how you uh, talk to people to get them to do what you want them to do. And and maybe it's just because, like, Kenneth Branagh is British and just putting mm-hmm. stuff in a British accent <laughs> automatically makes it seem old-timey. Even though they're supposed to be from Spain. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is another question. What language were they supposed to be speaking? Because whatever exactly. it is, everyone speaks it. I Well, the only defense I have for that is that it 
is possibly Spanish. I don't, uh, though I think Central America speaks Spanish because of the Spanish they do. exploration around this time period. That is so, true. So yeah, uh, I don't know what language they're they talking. They speak the magic, maybe what's his face bad guy. to put it into a yes. D&D term. I don't know, maybe the magic, whatever magic that city has, because there is, it's never explained why the one guy has it. Yeah. Maybe he got it He's like the witch of- doctor priest yeah maybe he got uh, it because of the blood sacrifices i don't know zekel khan mm-hmm. i have the name in front of me i don't know how to pronounce it tekel khan zekel khan sure it's khan, the uh, khan part i got so t-z-e-k-e-l khan but i don't know they don't explain really why he has magic powers yeah and no one else has anything or and they never explain the volcano <laughs> yeah. Oh god, the volcano. But getting back to his his magical abilities, he's the one character who can like conjure images or like knows how to read the ancient text. His role in the society is he was the speaker for the gods, which he's the Jafar is perfect for him because in this culture, blood uh, gods demand a blood sacrifice, and he seems totally cool with that. Like blood sacrifice, he could do every day and be happy the rest of his life. And then like the chief who's like you know what we're gonna we're gonna move forward in our society and stop murdering people and mm-hmm. well that's one of the the notes that i liked here where it it showed two different ways to rule a society one by fear the other by love and it definitely goes on i mean the gods are supposed to be ruling by fear, blood sacrifice, but these two guys pretending to be gods are like, well, no, let's let's rule by love. Why don't we just like each other and let the guy who's the most popular rule the city? And, and the chief is super nice, and I like him, mm-hmm. and I like very late in the movie, he has a conversation with Miguel that I think is really nice, where he's like, if you don't want to leave, you can just say you don't have to make up excuses. And it's, it's this, this conversation where Miguel, who is like the character that feels like he's missing something from his life, is mm-hmm. told, you can belong here if you want to. Yeah. And, and spoiler alert, that doesn't work out. It does but not. But I'm I'm curious how he would fit into a society. Like, being a god, the chief understood at that moment that he was not a god. There's yeah. a line where he says specifically, mm-hmm. to err is human, in reference to Miguel. So he understands. So, like, if Miguel stayed, would he give up his divinity? Because, I mean, it's nice. The society is nice because they believe he is a deity descended to Earth. I don't know if it would be necessarily his cup of tea if he was just a peasant in the society. I don't know. I don't know. He ran around and experienced all of the peasant life, and that's when he started to really enjoy it. I I think I like that because at the beginning... I called I called both Miguel and Tulio the prototype Flynn Riders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that may or may not come up a bit later. I like that as you get farther, you start seeing more of their their differences. Miguel is definitely the one who really more wants the security of money and to be set and stuff like that. Where Miguel was always, I'm doing this for the adventure, whether it works out or not, doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. Where Tulio is more kind of the almost the type A planner personality who's like. I want this to work. It needs to work. We need to have the safety of having money. Yeah. A so more. he was the one that and always had the plan. And he's the, the less secure of the two where he wants to get as much money as possible and then get out of Dodge. 
where Miguel wants to ride this out as yeah. long as possible. Tulio is definitely more anxious about stuff going wrong. He's got the whole um, reoccurring thing about the little voice that tells you to stop, <laughs> which yes. Miguel does not have because Miguel's like, I'm having fun. I'm going to keep doing this. He's a little more childlike. Well, I want to talk about their plan because alternate universe, this this plan works out for a bit, but I don't think, I think ultimately it wouldn't. So their plan, pretend to be gods, get a bunch of gold, have them build a boat for them, and then they can sail back to Spain. So one, that's a very long journey. I don't know if two or three po- three people could make it on their own. Also, they just is... got gold. They didn't get yes. supplies. Exactly. Uh, so I think they're either, I've tried to look up where the the actual El Dorado is fabled to be. So they're either in Colombia or they're in Brazil. I couldn't determine where, but somewhere like that, where it's a very long trip back to Spain. Uh, And once they got there, they are criminals in that society. I don't think they would keep the gold that they brought back. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. There's a lesson a lot of like adventure sort of things where you can't think too far forward in the plot or else things Mm -hmm. fall apart. Fair enough. Maybe I'm thinking too much on it, but I I wonder. But yeah, it definitely to... would. Well, and I don't think they're thinking that far forward either, because mm-hmm. they're just like they came up with this plan very on the fly, not really thinking it through. And all of I think a lot of at least the cons they show earlier are short cons. Yes, like, I'm not sure they have any experience with a long con. I'm no, not sure that very they much... are that big in trouble though. Like. They got caught cheating in a game of dice, and that's all we really know about their past. And so even we, then, they the got away. The first time we see, first time we see their characters, they are on a that's wanted true. poster. So Spain definitely has a warrant out for their arrest. Uh, so I wanted to get back to Chell because I had another note on her. I actually liked her character model a lot because she is her character is not super skinny or like traditional disney princess attractive but it's still it's an alternative body type that is still very nice to look at and works very well you can tell like she is very a very desirable woman without meeting necessarily the ideal body type and i thought that was interesting and good for this see i would disagree that it's necessarily any different than the disney body type Mm -hmm. like i don't know it's it's still very stylized. I think the Disney body type, like, people say, oh, they're all the same. But, I mean, I don't know. I still would say it is, in some ways, even more unrealistic than the Disney body type. Hmm. Having that tiny of the waist and the big curves. I've seen less people that look like that in real life than I have of just being skinny. Hmm. That's fair. I think, to me, it related back to, like, the Lilo and Stitch body type. Where it's, uh, it might be an ideal or an idealized of a different culture that isn't necessarily Anglo-European. So for Lilo and Stitch, it would be Hawaiian. For this, it would be South American. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I don't have anything against the body type, as so- the Disney body type. As someone who basically had the Disney body type until, like, after college. Like, well, but being, like, really, really super skinny to the point of, like, I mean, I, I and I knew a lot of people that were just that skinny because that's how... Some people are built. <laughs> That's, and, that is fair. And then you hit your 20s in college and you gain a yeah, bunch of Life hits you. Yeah. More or less. <laughs> uh, I don't know so, how I felt about her character, though. Like, it's like what Sarah was saying. She, she It just almost didn't fit at some points. And at one time, you thought that she was trying to con 
Tulio and Miguel just so that she could be safe. She did seem and to then, go into like making out trying... with Miguel pretty quick. She didn't make out with Miguel, but or not with Miguel <laughs> with Tulio. But that's yeah, like that at one, one point it looked like she the was just one. trying to play them against each other to get them to fight the same way they were trying to do with the chief and the high priest. But then suddenly she's in love with Tulio by the end. Yeah, hmm. that was the thing because I thought that one conversation where she sent Miguel to go see the city. And then mm-hmm. she was talking to Tulio about, oh, I don't know where he went. Who knows what he's doing? I thought was that was to get them to fight conflict. each other. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Which it kind like, of did in the end, but, but a little apparently bit differently. Apparently, it was just to get rid of get Miguel out of the room, but that's yes. not how that That's scene not how I saw it. Oh, yeah. That's interesting because that's no. immediately what I picked up on. Because when she meets the two, uh, they change into their godly outfits. And she is keeping an eye on Tulio as he changes, and Tulio has to ask her to leave. How do you know I that? I, they I were standing she was right next to them. each other. Yeah, I assumed mm. she was looking at both of them. Interesting. But yeah, uh, when she asks Miguel to go see the city and she will cover for him, that to me it was very much leave the room. I need no. to be alone with this guy. And, and maybe because he, a- Tulio, had just given her a pair of earrings that she really enjoyed. I See, think the the bond was built up somewhat before that. But they played the, it the bond right of after this five seconds. <laughs> That, I yeah. see. I didn't see that bond at all. Yeah, I at didn't that point. either. And also, didn't that take place right after when they were talking about we have to the way we keep this going is by making sure those two are fighting over yeah, us. Yeah, it was. And then yeah. immediately is that scene. So I thought it was supposed to be echoing that because they came right after each other. Yep. Oh, I never got that at all. <laughs> At least Mark is with me on this one. I'm not a crazy person. Uh, no, I just... Yeah, I I just always saw her going for Tulio of the two. Because Tulio's the one planning the con and, like, running the show. And she wanted to join it so that she got some gold and she got to leave the city, which is what she was trying to do when she met the two boys. Yeah, but, but that's what. To... Yeah, I thought that that was her plan was just to get away, not just to use them to get and, away, and, not and to I fall in love with him. The idea was maybe like keep them slightly fighting so that they don't try to, so that she's still needed. Because if they're still, if they're super close, there's no need for her. And I disagree because she they don't know the customs con, though. Yeah, yeah, her role in this con was to enlighten them as to what is expected of gods in the society because they don't but know any of that she knows junk. they're all in cons in this situation so at any moment if they're the best friends and she's the interloper at any moment when she becomes less useful they could kick him her out of the con yes though miguel probably wouldn't i think that would have to come from tulio uh and tulio was slowly falling in love with her I don't I think, think that was slowly. <laughs> no, yeah, that was just I, like, I would well. agree that both Tulio and Miguel uh, were interested in her, but I think she was only ever interested in Tulio. See, I didn't notice that at all until that scene that she even cared remotely about either of them, except for like looking at them when they're getting changed because, hey, look, attractive Hey, look, men. butts again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so goodness. you were talking about uh, she's teaching them the ways of the gods in this society. Except she doesn't it's... actually teach them anything until they're actually in the moment right. and, and there's a problem. So that was the scene because they get out there and um, 
Jekyll Khan is about to execute someone or sacrifice mm -hmm. someone yeah, to the gods, to the and gods, they stop it because blood. they don't want to see yeah. this guy get killed. So, so then the chief guy comes out and says, "Oh well, here's our tribute, and it's a whole bunch of people with armloads full of gold." And he says, "To Shibalba," and they're like, "Yes, to Shibalba." And Chell is like, "Oh no, you guys are idiots!" And they take it and chuck it off the edge of a cliff into this giant whirlpool because it's sending it to the spirit world, I guess. Which turns out to be this whirlpool that spits everything out. Yes, over by so, the crime yes. That was my Where's next. The gold? That was my question. Stop stealing my stuff. Sorry. Ah. So, so because uh, later on in the movie, when Zeko Khan falls in the same whirlpool, he ends up coming mm -hmm. out outside the city walls. So, what happened to all the gold that they threw in there? Okay. Uh, so, there's some historical truth to what is going on here not that a society called el dorado was right next to a a volcano and b a massive whirlpool uh but the the story that i know of el dorado is one explorer came looking for gold he found a peasant with golden earrings and that's how the myth of el dorado spread the only evidence they've ever been able to find of it has been this gold pottery uh there's a fabled lake where you know, it's supposed to be gold all the way at the bottom. They've drained it a couple of times and have found gold around the edges, but never the treasure that they suspected at the bottom. Uh, this has stopped because the lake has become protected. And so I think it's all feeding into this real life stuff where the only stuff they've ever found of this El Dorado has been this golden pottery. So I think the short answer to that is it sank to the bottom. Yeah, a little and bit. And Tackle Khan did not. Or, yes, or uh, to use, possibly because to use possibly the, thing because we the say, human body is slightly more buoyant than well, golden pottery. Well, yes, there's that. And the and because he could swim to try to stay up. But I think we're just going to go with Sarah's old standby and say it was magic. Yes. Hey, he has magic. He does. Which, He's such a magic man. There is, there is the, my thought and the thing is why he has magic is they're like, hey, we've got this really cool mystical snake thing <laughs> that turned out real well the first time. Let's do it again. Because <laughs> like when he was doing the showing them all of the like visuals and stuff, I'm like, hey, is this the weird priest scene from Prince of Egypt? Yes. And <laughs> then he even showed them creepy spiders just for yeah, Carl. Not cool with that. We always that have to pick a cool movie with, with spiders just because... <laughs> Oh, but, I did it last time. Emperor's New Groove had a spider scene. But, it, wasn't but cool it reminded with. me a lot of... What is that song from Prince of Egypt? We haven't watched that one. Um, It's whatever the priests sing. Oh, you're playing with the big boys now. Yeah. That, <laughs> now, there's a, when you're talking about music that seems way too modern for the movie, that movie has a lot of... No, 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 yes, no. Yes, 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 I own yes. that soundtrack. It is great. <laughs> I didn't say it's not good music. It's just really modern for the time period of the movie. Oh, it is. A hundred percent the best. When we get to that one, it'll just be an hour of me talking about how much I love that music. Uh, so we are getting along in the plot here. Let's talk about the basketball scene. Oh, you mean, as I put it in my notes, and suddenly it's Space Jam? Yes. Oh, the great description. Yeah, so this starts because um, Miguel has left. This is after, like, the love scene. And they go to find him, and they find that he's playing ball with the presence. Zekel Khan thinks, well, this shouldn't be how the gods play. They should play in an arena, and they teleport 
to this arena type place uh, where they are against like seven big tough guys, 15. the best players, 15 <laughs> big tough guys. It was like the Eldo, El Dorado version of like sumo wrestlers. They were huge. Yeah, they were enormous. They were best ball players there. Think like all of the NBA uh, comes to fight these two guys. Except and they were guys... built like linebackers. <laughs> Uh, and these guys can't play ball at all until they cheat and use an armadillo as the ball. Did you know the armadillo has a name? <gasps> uh, like, yes, I think. Oh, hold on. It's like Bibbo. 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 It's like B-I-B-O. He, he was named after a someone in the crew. Okay. So- I'm looking at the IMDB page and I cannot find uh, any name for the uh, the armadillo at all it's in the trivia okay the armadillo that follows miguel and tuli around is named bibbo after co-directo 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 director (laughs) bibbo bergeron oh very nice yeah i i like the armadillo story which i watching it again uh he starts following these two because they accidentally save his life yes Uh, um there were plans for a sequel that this was going to be a whole series and they were going to, um, Chell and Tulio and Miguel, we're all going to go on more adventures and the horse and the armadillo were going to come back and be characters. So, yeah. Well, oh, they were I the best that. characters already. They were. I mean, the way that Though they escaped non- from the ship was, was find well, a any prime non-talking arm. animal part is generally the best part in these movies. Yes. It, it's true. And it's, um, what's his name? It's, is it was it Frank Weller again? I think so. Uh, who, yes, Frank Welker, who played Welker, Altivo. That's what it is. Known for basically doing literally every animal voice in like every animated movie, as well as um, he's the guy from um, uh, come on, I know um, <laughs> that other thing, Sc- Scooby Doo. Isn't he from Scooby Doo? Does he play uh, the titular Scooby Doo? No. no he's, is he not Scooby? He's he's uh, Fred, isn't he? Frank Walker? Uh, very well, well could be. he could be. He's but not Scooby-Doo. Why don't we, for a change, so, talk about the road down the road? Yes, back to the ball game that Sarah just said that they were cheating in, which, I mean, if they're gods, I think it made sense because then the one time, like, the armadillo hops through the hoop and just keeps jumping back and forth a bunch of times to give them a bunch of points. I'm like, if you're a god, that's how you would play in order to catch up to win, right? Yeah. Just cheat and make the uh, ball go through the hoop a bunch of times so they can't stop you. I just love that the armadillo apparently had anti-gravity yes. powers. <laughs> it's a magical armadillo. Uh, it sure is. And to score their final point, they cheat even more and, because now they're playing with a, a real ball. And, and they fine. ride on a horse. Yes, both of them ride in on a horse and pass the ball between them. And Miguel gets a great shot with a, a backwards backflip kicking the ball into the goal to win. Mm. I'm pretty Which, just so you know, Frank Welker is Fred Jones from Scooby Doo. Well, okay, good, I'm glad we solved that mystery. We didn't even have to contact the meddling kids to solve it for us. I just, but he's he's really known for for doing a ton of voice stuff and especially animal stuff. So for me, the the ball game was one of the the highlights of the film. Oh, I it's thought it was the, so the, funny. Yeah, the, it's the moment that brought me in. Now it's a movie that doesn't have a lot of laugh out loud moments. Uh, one of them particularly for me, was when they sent all the gold into that whirlpool because I wasn't oh, yeah. expecting it. And it was, oh, I just lost my shit. Uh, there's, but There's another one, uh, I think it's before then, 
where Miguel is doing his big dramatic, like, speeches that he keeps trying to do and Tulio hates them. And he's doing this big dramatic speech and the music starts going up and all of a sudden he gets interrupted and they do a record scratch and everything just stops. I just thought it was hilarious. Yes, so much so that, like, they're playing the theme for the city of, like, it's from the beginning where it's, like, Elton John's El Dorado thing. And they start playing that. And the music of the theme stops as well. Just like, no, 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 we're not doing this again. Oh, it's such a good moment. Yeah, so it's not necessarily a funny movie, but it does have these great moments and the scenes, the basketball scene being one of them. Uh, The other scene... Why don't we move on to that is where uh, Zekulkan realizes that they're not gods because A, they're not acting the way that his gods would act. And B, he sees that Miguel is bleeding and the gods don't bleed. And so he knows that nobody will believe him because he's already kind of the outside of society. Uh, And so he uses his magical ability to conjure this giant stone jaguar to come and attack the city. The look of this thing, the the action scene where they uh they're getting chased and they need to defeat it. Oh my god, it's beautiful. Oh yeah. I loved this scene. I I it discovered um there's a group that I have been listening to their music recently. They they've been around for a while, but I just started listening and they have a song that is called El Dorado and I didn't realize but the music that's it's like a remix version, but the music that is Mostly the theme is actually from this movie, <laughs> which I didn't realize until I was watching it. But it's in the, during that chase scene, whatever music is playing during that scene. I really like Tekel Khan as a character. Yeah. I think I think he's he's one of those and I compare him to a lot of Disney villains like um, like Jafar and like um, the bad guy in Hunchback where Frollo Frollo. Thank you. Um there's a lot of really horrific things that kind of are implied or actually happen in this movie. And and since it's a kid's movie, you have to have for the, the villain, have someone who is very good at walking that line between completely horrifying and a little bit campy. You have to have that little bit of campy drama thrown in or else it's just too dark and too terrible. Well, and and I think- this guy, I don't, he wasn't even like the evil guy. He was the one that's trying to follow what the gods have been telling him to do. And he's yes, just trying I would to agree with that. But I where... would I would compare that again to Frollo, where they think they're in the right. Yes. They've yeah. just become so obsessed with it that they cannot see anything else. And Frollo's very like that in, in Hunchback. And so and in some ways, those characters who think they're the good guys yes. are even more terrifying to me. Absolutely. But, but I think that the the voice actor does a really good job in in the moments where he's a little lighter hearted and a little like that. And even in the, the series things, kind of doing this very over the, not over the top, but a little bit campy, I'm the big villain voice mm-hmm. to keep it not from going too far into let's scare all the children for life. Yeah. So I loved his character design where the first time you meet him, it's just somebody coming to get him. There's nothing inherent and evil about him, but just the design of the character, you can say, oh, this is the bad guy mm-hmm. because of the way he looks. Uh, But you're right in that he is the high priest of the society. He has been waiting from a sign from the gods to tell him that everything that he's been reading, everything that he has dedicated his life to is about to come to fruition. And it's it's going to be the age of the Jaguar where he, as a devoted member of this 
church or this tribe or this belief system is going to become in control of this society. So he finally gets this sign. He thinks it's finally going to be his day. And then things just don't go his way. (laughs) Because these aren't the gods. These are stupid con men. They are definitely stupid con men. Um, Yeah. Though I did like how they balanced it. The story between the two main villains. Between Zekokan and Cortez. Where Cortez is just kind of this. This threat that is uh, is just slowly coming towards them. He never actually does anything against the characters once they you know reach the city he's just this threat that is slowly moving towards them that they need to prevent and zeko khan is the more active villain actively working against these yeah. two it, it's almost like cortez is the environmental destruction like he's like the asteroid heading to earth or nexus or the- yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you don't really, I mean, obviously we know who Cortez is because Cortez was a real person. Um, but but in this movie, you don't learn a lot about Cortez himself. He's just this kind of. Yeah, he's the almost, the big yeah. bad that we never yeah. get to. He, he's almost like this this tsunami that's coming towards that. That's a countdown. Um, although I didn't, it didn't distract me in the first scene with Cortez when he talks to Teco Khan and. And is asking about where did you get those with the earrings? It was that moment, and I'm like, oh no, it's it's um, Jim Cummings. Jim Cummings. Yes, he actually <laughs> voiced was, like three because he was some of the little smaller characters I noticed yes. too. Yeah, but yeah, but it was only really in that one scene where he asked about the earrings that I'm like, <laughs> it was like aggressively <laughs> Jim Cummings because there's a lot of times Jim Cummings does a ton of voices that you're like. Oh no, he's he's some character voice. But there's times when it's like, no, this is the Jim Cummings voice, and I'm like, oh, yep, 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 definitely, this is that man. I, uh, but yeah, I especially liked that part where they meet Seko Khan and Cortez sees the gold, wants to know where he got it, and Seko Khan sees in Cortez the gods that he has read about. Like he immediately likens it to, oh, this is the war god. The other two yeah. are the false prophets. This is what I've been waiting for. I also, there's something about a movie where the bad guy gets his comeuppance that's not delivered by the heroes. That's mm-hmm. kind of nice because in in some ways, like... It keeps the heroes as the good guys because yes. they didn't have to do something evil. And especially in a kid's movie where... I mean, yeah, in an adult movie, having that, like, moral conflict about when does the good guy have to become the bad guy to mm-hmm. for the, the good of the people. Yeah, in adult movies, great. Conflict like that, great. In kids' movies, maybe not. And so to have it, well, the bad guy gets... I still it's think it's hard to call it a kid's guy. movie. Yeah, like, a lot I, of DreamWorks stuff, I don't know if I would necessarily say are children's movies. They're animated, and they're watered down uh, enough that kids can watch them, but I think a lot of the stuff in there, I there's content that may not be appropriate, and then there's other things that I may not have even known what was going on as a kid. But there's that in, like, every kid's movie. Like To an extent, yes. I would if, say if we're going Disney back to, like, is a little more chast and wholesome. Then say a dream. Yes, works. Disney, the company that burned a man in hell in one of their children's movies. Fair enough. And murdered someone by knocking them off a cliff. Very, very yeah. child friendly. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, in, in reference to your uh, the heroes don't have to deal with the villain, I think that's. I think 
they did it this way that they wouldn't have to do it twice because they do go up against Sekokan against this big stone jaguar and that is where they but they basically make him attack himself which is where he falls into the whirlpool where they're not necessarily the villains they're dealing with the villains attack on them but that was them dealing with Zekulkan so that they wouldn't have to again. I think if they had to do it again, instead of having the big bad take care of the small bad, it would just be a repetition. Weird question. Yeah. I don't remember what happened to the Jaguar. It, it fell, fell in. Yeah. Then where did he go? Did he, he sink sank. too with the gold? He's off with the gold? Yeah. Uh, also, Zekulkan just lost his magic ability with it. I think cats don't like water, so it dispelled <laughs> the magic. Yeah, because I was... Couldn't, couldn't he, the, the cat robot, swim? Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it climbed out of the lava earlier, so you would think That's that true. water wouldn't hurt it, but... Yeah, who's to say? Oh. Maybe it was like, oh, hey guys, there's a bunch of gold down here, I'm gonna chill with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm rich I, now. I honestly didn't realize how very, very close that uh, volcano is to this society, because they literally walk to it in the matter of five minutes. Yes. It's a magic volcano that we learned earlier. Yeah, and not only that, but the volcano also has a split down it, so they can run through the center of the volcano with no impedance whatsoever. It's a... it's a... I don't know. <laughs> it's a very convenient volcano. Yeah. Oh, one other note. Um, so my girlfriend and I were talking about this, and it... We didn't love that this film uh, glorified being friends with an armadillo, given that armadillos uh, carry leprosy. It's that is probably true. not a great idea for people but to hang out with them. If we're talking about um, things reflecting real life, there are some like places in Sa South America and stuff where they just have like armadillos as pets and they let them wander around and <laughs> and they have like slightly domesticated armadillos. I don't. No, but I've yeah. seen pictures of like just these kids hanging out with armadillos. Mm. But yes, in the U.S., don't hang out with armadillos. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to uh, the fight where it's just what has to happen at the end of a second act where these two characters who were best buds before uh, suddenly get into a fight where they don't want to be together anymore. Uh, and the, the way that they do this, I think, is one of the downsides of the film. I didn't really agree with why they were fighting. Basically, um, Tulio and Chell are talking, and Tulio is basically telling her, I want you to come with us, because I like you, I'd like to spend more time with you, please travel with us on the boat. Uh, and a part of this flirting, That was already he tells the them, plan, though. It is, but... She was debating maybe not coming with them, and he was just trying to convince her. Uh, and part of this is like, I want you to come to Spain with me and Miguel. Well, maybe just me. Only me. Forget about Miguel. And that's the line that starts the fight, where Miguel is like, forget about Miguel. Well, I won't have any of this. Where clearly his friend was flirting. And Miguel should know that, having spent any time with his character. I, I think at that point, the reason... I think... Had it been normal, Miguel would have understood. But I think at that point in the story, the conflict had been building. They had been not having big fights, but they were very disagreeing about what to do in the situation. And I think it was just any little thing would kind of make Miguel feel like he wasn't 
part of that team and anymore. And Tulio is the one who originally said that Chell was off limits. That's so to fair. have him go and fall in love with her and tell her to come with them would be like, oh, you told me that I couldn't be with her, but now you are. But I would argue at even the beginning of the film, they already have different styles to their cons, so much so that they keep referencing this face that Miguel makes to convince Tulio to go along with him, where Tulio might not otherwise do that. But I think maybe this is the first time that really having differences in their cons would mean that the partnership has to entirely break up. Because they did mention before that stuff about, oh, why don't we just stay? We can just stay here and continue to be gods. And and that is... Miguel said that. Tulio didn't. Yeah. Well, but Tulio's like, no, that's stupid. We need to go back to Spain. And so the idea of to do that, they would have to break up with the partnership and never see each other again had been referenced before that. And I think that was kind of, this was a much more serious, if we don't agree on this, it's the end sort of fight. Mm. I do agree that the like overheard conversation causing a fight is way too overused and mm-hmm. is really dumb. Yes. And it's just, normally the answer is just talk to each other. Just, just have the fight then and Though, get it over with instead of like being passive aggressive for like half the movie. <laughs> Though what I really enjoyed is uh, this fight is immediately followed by the Panther scene. And they resolve the Panther scene by having a quote unquote fake fight uh, between the two characters where they're they actually deal with the real stuff. Yeah, they're actually dealing with the real conflict as yes. opposed to just apologizing it for it later. They're having the argument that most characters in that situation wouldn't have. I will say it is a stupid plot device that almost gets used well because this is nowhere close to being like the worst example of the overhearing a conversation causing a fight because mm-hmm. normally it is much worse and much more aggravating. And you're like, you could fix this in like two seconds. Right. You didn't understand. You left before I explained what I meant. Yeah. Like, cause at least there isn't like, normally there's, there'd be like a little bit more of the conversation that they left too early for. At least that was the conversation. Right. He misinterpreted it, but he did hear the whole conversation. <laughs> and so you're not like, just, why didn't you stay five more seconds? You dumb idiot. <laughs> All right, well, let's go on to the finale of this movie. So because of this fight, uh, Tulio and Chell are going to leave on a boat full of gold. Miguel has decided to stay and be part of the El Dorado Society. But they get word that Cortez is coming back with Seco Khan and Tulio and Miguel know Cortez is carrying guns. He's got armor. He's got swords. He will destroy the society for their gold. So they come up with a plan uh, that they can The armadillo comes up with the plan. (laughs) (laughs) I do like that this was a callback to them trying to do the plan on the boat. boat, Right. We have a thing. We do this. Okay, what do we do next? We have a thing. We do this. And it was that repeated thing where he couldn't figure out the end of the plan. Yeah, it might be pointing out that Tulio, although he's the brains of the operation, isn't very good at coming up with plans. And also probably, maybe it's just he's not very good with coming up on plans under stress. That could he be. Is, he is shown to be the more anxious one and the, the one that, that can't deal as much when things change. And so both of the times he does this, they're in a very, very short notice, dangerous like moment that they've got to get this done now. And he's just like, and there's the gate and we have a boat. <laughs> yes. So there's the gate. There's the boat. There's the gate. There's the boat. There's the, boat. There's the goat. There's the bait. <laughs> he actually says yes, that once he does. he does and that's when the armadillo 
uh, knocks the bottle of water over, the boat or cigar runs into the gate, which is a bunch of coins, and knocks them down, and that is their plan. They will knock down the gate in the secret entrance, blocking off all entry to El Dorado, so that Cortez cannot get in. And I, uh, as so the way this scene progresses is they, they're going to knock down a tower once the boat gets past it. The tower is going to create a tidal wave, pushing them forward uh, so that the boat knocks into the pillars and uh, collapses that tunnel. And watching it a second time, they've actually been building up to this the entire movie, where you keep getting, you get shots of the gate a lot when they go past it. You get shots of the tower that they need to knock down as they move past it the first time. And so this has been foreshadowed uh, with shots of the movie building up to this point. And it's only in a second viewing that you notice how much they have shown you the elements of this plan beforehand. You, you could even say that the conversation between Miguel and the chief about the boat is foreshadowing because the way they fix it in the end is they're not going fast enough. Mm -hmm. They might get hit by the thing. Miguel decides that saving them and, and having this plan work is more important than him get, staying in the city. And he, he jumps on and it's saved because he pulls down the, sail. the, the sails. And part of the big thing about, like, the conversation I had with Chief is like, oh, the mass, the mass isn't big enough, and talks about the sails it and the mass and stuff rope. like that. Needs more rope. Yes. And look at the side. He hammers on it, nothing happens. Totally flimsy. It'll never yeah. work. But, but they and definitely talk about the mass hand. and the sails, though, and, and stuff like that. And so you could even yeah. say that that's a little foreshadowing how much they focus on that boat. Yes. And uh, so Miguel jumps on the boat, the sail moves it past the tower, and the tower collapsing to create this wave honestly thrilled me. Like, it it filled me with that, um, what you're looking for at an, an action climax of a movie. I was very anxious, I was very ready to see what this was going to happen, because it's a very small boat moving just ahead of this enormous tower, slowly collapsing into the water. And it's just like... I wasn't expecting it from this film, but it really delivered on this climactic moment. I agree. I have to say, you notice it in this scene, and you notice it in the beginning scene when they, they escape from the boat. DreamWorks does great water. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Really, really satisfying water animation. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, the boat goes through the tunnel. They realize they have to hit it broadside to knock down these two pillars. They do this, and they jump off, losing all the gold on the boat, but collapsing it just in time for when Sekul Khan comes back with Cortez. There is no entrance, and Cortez says, you were lying the whole time, takes him into custody, and will more than likely flog him, just like he was planning to do with Tulio Miguel earlier in the film. So, yes. how did you guys feel about the ending of this movie? Because, yes, they, they have a horse, they have an armadillo, they have Chell. They've gotten certain things that they didn't have at the beginning, but they're also penniless. Yeah. I can definitely see... It, it's not really a cliffhanger. Everything does, to a certain point, get resolved. Mm -hmm. But I definitely see how, when they originally were coming up with this movie the idea was to have another adventure and to continue the story. Yeah, they... Because at this point... They had the golden horseshoes, but yeah, yeah. That, that's the only... Right. They couldn't... I mean, when they got there originally, the problem was they had no money, they had no food, they had no supplies to get anywhere, so they were going to hop back in the rowboat and go out into the ocean again for who mm -hmm. knows why, but... And, and I assume the sequel but, would be like they wander the jungle, 
they find some other map, they yeah. find some other ruins, yeah. they find something that they, continues the they story. They find the Fountain of Youth or something. Yeah. It, it's kind of like in the Pirates movies where Captain Jack is never really in, oh, I've only seen the first three, but he's never really better off at the end of the movie than he's <laughs> at the start, but he's got a new lead. Yes, but he, he always has his boat back and he goes off on another adventure. Okay, fine. He, he doesn't always back at have the his end boat of... back. Yeah, Whatever. <laughs> but I don't know. It seems but, but, like in those it... movies, he at least has the skills to go on another adventure. These guys, I don't know. They they didn't even plan on being gods initially. They kind of just walked into that. They're just very yeah. good at improvising, which again is is kind of a Jack Sparrow hey. thing. But he usually at least has a start to I his just... next adventure. Adventure. Hmm. That is very true. All right. So unless you guys have any other notes, let's go on to games. Our first game is the pitch game, where you are describing to a Hollywood producer or someone who's never seen the film what this film is in terms of other movies in the form. It's this meets this. So to start us off here, uh, since this was a film with a roguish man after treasure who encounters a very wise white horse and a villain well-versed in potions and actual magic... And a film where a character that follows clues to find a lost civilization who falls in love with a native and drastically alters the dynamics of the city. Also a power-hungry bad guy. This is Tangled meets Atlantis, the Lost Empire. I will do my one that kind of resembles yours to get it out of the way because I agreed with, with the Tangled part. But because it was had the natives of a country being threatened by people coming in i had tangled meets pocahontas so we have cortez in this movie and we also have a treasure hunt but also you're traveling through an exotic land of treasure but end up finding a girl who is a cunning thief and you get distracted from your main mission so i have two movies from the same series Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, and Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Yeah, Is neither. that the fourth one? Uh, yes. I think so. Yeah, it's the one after the crack. Because that's the one, the one is that, that the one with the mermaid? Yes, the one that just happened was number five, and I haven't even seen it yet. Oh, so. uh, yeah. That had Paul McCartney, or is the Paul McCartney one coming out? Who's to say? Science has yet to determine. Uh, so, uh, my next one. This is a European falling in love with a native and a character in love with gold and uh, a villain very into sacrificing people to appease the gods. And it ends by showing the arrival of white men. Uh, this is Pocahontas meets Apocalypto. <laughs> I forgot Apocalypto was a Yeah, I, I, as soon as you said that, was I knew that where you were going. Yes. yes, directed by Melian Gisson. Melian as soon as yep, you said I it, I knew where you were going, but I had completely forgotten that movie ever existed. So, um, so because it is a movie with a questionable advisor and trying to find secret treasure that starts on a boat, I had Aladdin meets Treasure Island. Oh, oh. Uh, can we make that Muppet Treasure Island? We can make it. Muppet Yay. <laughs> it's the same story way. but one has muppets mark well and you can even you make can a treasure, treasure planet, planet if you want uh, yeah well 
Mark, uh, if you can have Muppets in a thing, have Muppets in a thing. Uh, yes. I will not argue with <laughs> I that. I can't even argue. Okay, so again, going with the uh, the evil villain with the crazy magic. Not only that, but his magic comes up in green puffs of smoke. And we also have best friends as the main characters who get broken up by a girl, but end up getting back together and the friendship lasts. We have Anastasia meets Dumb and Dumber. Ha! <laughs> I knew you were going, Anastasia. Of course. All right. Um, the next one. We have characters following clues on a map to find hidden civilizations, collecting treasure, and battling giant stone monsters, and a property with two con men trying to con a woman who ends up joining them and splitting the cash. This is Tomb Raider meets Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I hate you. I hate you so much. Uh, I thought that one was going to be safe, but it wasn't. All right. Yeah, I will go for your classic musicals. Try and stop me. Uh, because it is a case of mistaken identity, and also because of con men, it's Dirty Rotten Scoundrels meets Galaxy Quest. Oh, mm. Galaxy Quest is a great movie. Mark, do you have any more? I have none more. Is, is Galaxy Sarah, Quest on the list more. that of movies we could watch? What? I said, is Galaxy I, Quest be. involved? I think, I think so. it still would be worth it. Yes. Anyway, yeah. continue. Yeah, I think it's on the list. Okay. Um... Because, again, it is a case of mistaken identity, and it is because of a trying-to-find-treasure-and-adventure of things based on real-life historical myths. I have The Three Amigos meets Indiana Jones. Oh. Which one? Golly. I have not seen Three Amigos, but I, I keep hearing You've never seen about. Three Amigos? No. Mark, Mark hasn't I, either. Yeah, I know... Uh, I can't place all three of them. Is Chevy Chase involved with that? Martin Short and, and Leslie Nielsen. Um, no, I think wasn't it? Steve it's, Martin. No, it's St- Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Some yeah. guy with gray hair. It's <laughs> well, you're not wrong. Um, All right, let's move on to our second game, which is which. If we're con- connecting back to things we talked about earlier, Steve Martin and Martin Short were both in uh, Prince of Egypt, oh, which was a DreamWorks movie. Very which nice. This is also a DreamWorks. Movie. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. Uh, we'll get to our second game in a bit, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I wanted to know was, uh, did you guys catch the DreamWorks moons that they worked into yeah. this film? Because there's one where they get on there's the boat initially, a... they go up in a there's... sky, and there's a crescent moon very much in the DreamWorks style. And... But there's one on one of the tablets. Yes. Uh, one where he's flipping through to see what spell will beat these charlatans before he gets to the one with the jaguar that actually use. He actually flips through one, and in the classic Mayan style of drawing, it is a crescent moon with a man sitting in it fishing. Yes. Yeah. So, if you decide to watch it, keep your eyes out for that. But let's go on to our second game, which is alternate tagline, a word or phrase you would see on the poster for the movie describing the theme of said movie. Ours probably intentionally missing the point. So, I am again going to start us off here. And I will start us off with um, something that I have used uh, for a previous movie of ours. I think I used it for the Mighty Ducks 3, possibly a different Mighty Ducks. But it's simply the road to El Dorado. If you can't beat them, cheat them. Okay, so mine is actually, for my first time ever, based off the actual tagline, which was, they came for the gold, they stayed for the adventure. And mine is Rodel Dorado. They came for the gold. They stayed because they didn't have a boat. 
Also didn't have a plan. So, uh, I will say mine actually does not miss the point of the movie because I just stole lyrics straight from the song. But I just said, Road to El Dorado, it's tough to be a god. I'm kind of Uh, surprised that was not one of their main ones to begin with, but... Yeah. Well, I think the problem with taglines is you have to get the movie poster out there before the movie is completely done. So maybe the song was recorded, but like maybe the credit song, they didn't know if it would actually make the final cut of the movie. So uh, my next one, let's see, we'll go. um, The road to El Dorado is paved not with blood, but with lies. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. I got no more. No more. Oh, oh well, am I Carl's, just gonna... Carl's gonna rattle some off here now. All right. Uh, the Road to El Dorado, City of Gold, Men of Pyrite. Uh, I like that one. <laughs> uh, the final it's one. Yeah. Uh, the Road to El Dorado, to err is human, to deceive divine. That's Very a good nice. one. Well, you know, uh, we, you better have some puns in the TV guides because we haven't oh. had any of those yet this time. No, I have no puns. I used no up all puns. my puns on llamas last time, Mark. <laughs> and Sarah didn't get to hear any of them. Uh, I'll have to actually listen to that episode, I guess. Uh. <laughs> well, let's go on to our third game, which is the TV guide game. Uh, something you would see in a Netflix or TV guide description where it gives the uh, summary of the plot of the movie. Again, hopefully missing the point. So I will again start us off here. Um, So this one has to do with kind of the uh, real life things surrounding El Dorado and all of the um, conquistadors who came pursuing the gold. Sorry, reminded me of a song. So uh, it is two con men squander a golden opportunity and accidentally trigger a genocide of an entire people. Uh, mine is two men totally destroy historical architecture. <laughs> <clears throat> well, now I have to decide which one I want to do first. Taking a cue from Tarzan, Elton John sings everything that the main characters do in case we aren't watching. Oh, uh, I would disagree with that, but what else? <laughs> I know we discussed it already. Yes, so, yes, so we did. We yes, can we move did. on. I already had right. this written down before we talked about it, so... Yeah. My second one, it's a movie where a high priest is forced to question his faith and his life work when two imposters come claiming to be gods. Despite his attempts to out the con men, he is exiled, denied re-entry, and sentenced to death. Um, my second one is, two friends bickering affects an entire town. <laughs> so, mine is along the same line as Carl's second one. After devoting his entire life to the gods, a zealous priest realizes his life has gone down the drain. Oh. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, Mark, you can recharge. What was uh, that even a pun? I, I don't know, but <laughs> it works for me. It's the closest we're going to get. All right, let's go on to reviews. So our first reviewing scale is that of our potato scale, where we will tell you the emotional state of this movie, what you will feel while watching it in terms of our relationships with potatoes. So, anybody can go first. I am going to look up the list here. What did you guys think The Road to El Dorado was in terms of potatoes? I will let Sarah go first. I think I'm going to do a weird combination of boxed potatoes and, I don't know, some other potatoes we don't have yet. But the boxed potatoes, because... 
the parts that I liked of this movie were really good. Like, the main characters were super, like, charming and likable, and those actors had a very good, um, like, you could feel the chemistry between, like, those two actors working together, and they recorded together, too, which isn't normal for animation. But then there were just parts that, like, completely took me out of it. Every time Elton John started singing, I was just <laughs> done with the movie. I could not even focus on anything else. I was just so, like, pulled out of the movie. And so it's one of those where, like, imagining it with some other, even, like, Lion King era Elton John as the music, I'd been like, it's great. I would have put it, like, as maybe, like, whatever our second level of good was, but it just... It killed me. There were just certain ones that killed me and it just completely made it not as good as it should have been because it had everything there. Mm. Interesting. So I am going to go with uh, Sweet Potatoes, which in our list is not as expected uh, because I was expecting a children's movie and this very much is not a children's movie. I still don't understand this. <laughs> no. Wait, as to why it was marketed to children or why we think it's not a children's movie? Why you think it's not a children's because movie? Because it's uh, not. The, the, the nudity, the love scenes. Uh, also... I don't think they were having sex. I think they were just making out. Yes, uh, but it's also It's definitely weird. implied. So, they weren't having sex. I agree with you. But they were flirting. They were making faces... To suggest they were feeling a certain way that adults would understand, but children wouldn't. And they get interrupted when both of them are on the floor, suggesting that they weren't having sex, but they were getting busy. So it's just... I don't necessarily think that is completely... I still think it's a kid's movie. All right. I I don't really cotton to showing butts in a children's movie. It wouldn't be the first time. Do you have problems with nudity? Do you not think that the human body is beautiful, Carl? I, I don't know how to tell you this, Sarah, but I'm a never dude. <laughs> I I can't confirm or deny that, so yeah. I guess I just have to go with what you say. All right. So that's why it's not as expected for me, but I will also give it a gold potato where, well, maybe that's not the right one, but we don't really have a rating for, I don't know, feeling excited for the climax of the film because that... When the tower is collapsing and things are progressing and they're about to ride this giant wave into the tunnel to save the town, I was very excited for it. I, I think Gold Potato would work for that. Yeah. When you used it before, mm-hmm. it was like at the climax of the sports game and they won the sports ball. Yeah, they won the sports ball. <laughs> you feel ball. like, yeah. Yeah, you feel great everything for the Everything fell into place and, their and everything worked. So yeah, yes. I think... That is what I felt. That is one of the the highlights or something I remember about the emotional state of me watching this film. So I think, yeah, it's going to be sweet potatoes and gold potatoes for me. Mark, what do you got? Uh, Well, mine was exactly the same as Carl's for basically the same reasons. Uh, <laughs> I... I... It not, now, our thing for sweet potatoes is just not as expected, uh, which, as, as Carl just said, where... I guess it could go either way, because it could be one that you expect to be really good, and it's not. But I think in this case, since it's sweet potatoes, it's usually one that you're not expecting greatness from, and it surprises you in a good way. Um, And although I remember seeing this before and enjoying it, sometimes um, there are certain movies that I don't always think about as being great movies. So I wasn't expecting a lot, and it turned out to be a really good movie. And the same as he said, I don't think it's necessarily a children's movie, so... 
Um, even though it's animated, you may want to be careful about watching it with children, depending on your own beliefs or what you're comfortable with. I saw with. actual human naked butts in a movie before it's I saw true, this movie. It's <laughs> true, but still, I, I wasn't so worried about the butts as some of the other content in there, but... but I guess whatever is you're comfortable with, but also the gold potato for the same thing that Carl said, you get that feeling at the end of the movie that you're just so excited that it all resolved and that things were happening at the end. It was just a really exciting finish. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's go on to our other scale, which is a more traditional scale from zero to 10 about whether or not you should rewatch this movie. Zero being burn it, 10, watch it. Put it simply. All right, what do you guys got? I I gave it a seven. Okay. I would have given it maybe even more of like a nine, but but Elton John. Elton, Elton John gets negative <laughs> oh, points. That Elton John, he'll get you every time. I feel I feel really weird complaining about the music so much because again I said I like Elton John. I'm not just like I hate Elton John and everything he said. No, this is really one of the few Elton John things I have. I just cannot deal it's, with. It's in, but so. it's like that because there's certain things where you could really like most of their music, but just a couple songs that they turn out just are not good. So. It's just it just doesn't work for me. So it, it bumps it down, but still at a seven, I would say it's it's worth watching. Um, probably people disagree with me on Elton John, but I I just think it's really charming. It's really fun. It's it's definitely one that probably should have I don't understand quite why it failed. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's I think it's a lot better than a lot of ones that were super popular in that time for like animated movies. So I'd say give it a watch. Just beware that the music is questionable. Mm -hmm. I and I'm you you know, when it comes to music in a movie, I would prefer non lyrics just because I like the soundtracks and the actual scores to the films better than usually singing music in them, unless it's specifically a musical. So I kind of agree with that. <laughs> um, I would probably give it a slightly higher because I really enjoyed it. So I would put this one at an eight. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to join you very close to that. Uh, so I was thinking about it and like the two main characters are good. Shell is good. The chief is good. The, Sekel Khan is great. The horse and the armadillo are great. Cortez doesn't have a big part, but the part he plays is fairly great. So, like, all these characters are working together fairly well. There's not, like, one that is a sore thumb among the mix. Everyone is playing their role and playing it very well. I also really like the story that they're telling. Like, I can't really find fault in any of the characters' decisions. Maybe the, the argument is the biggest fault I can find in it, where these two characters have to get upset at each other because that's how the story goes. Uh, but the music didn't really bother me. Occasionally, it was a bit trippy and LSD, uh, but I... The f the opening number really brought me into the film. Like I said, it's The opening like, number of the Elton John songs, I will say, is my favorite. Yeah. Because it didn't have any lyrics where I'm like, what is he talking about? This has nothing to do with the scene. It was just, it was, it was kind of like I said, like the Hercules. It's the prologue explaining the history. Yeah, he was explaining how El Dorado formed because it was a blessing from the gods or something. I don't know. So I won't give it perfect, uh, but I'm gonna go ahead and give it a nine. I think you should definitely go back and watch this. I think it's an underrated film uh, and something definitely. that you will definitely get a kick out of. It'll be worth a watch. I'm sorry Elton John brought down the average. <laughs> That's fine. Wouldn't be the first time. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's go on to our next movie. Sarah, this is your pick. It is. Okay. So I will tell you... I'm going to do 20 questions because I, I wanted to do that thing you did. I know. It works for very popular movies. We tried to do it with we this one, it. I think, and it didn't quite work because yeah. the only two recognizable names would be very, very top. And even given those, I don't know if I would recognize them. And and I looked at it and I was like, one of them would give it away. And the rest, I'm like, no, I know all these actors. I did not remember they were in this movie. Um, so my, my hint for you before you start guessing is the tie-in is this also involves trying to get a, out from an area or escaping an area kind of and a con man. But there's only one con man. Hmm. All right. So is, my initial guess would have been Prince of Egypt. I'm not saying this is my guess, but the con man doesn't quite fit that. Go ahead, Mark. Well. <laughs> it's not Prince of Egypt. Um, so I guess if we're just asking questions, I would yeah. the first one would be is it animated? It is a type of animation, but it is not traditional animation. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> At least I think so. Let me check oh, it out. Oh brother. Uh, this isn't that son of Aladdin you sent us, is it? That is definitely a type of animation. <laughs> it, it is it is not live action and it is not traditionally drawn animation. So is that leaves stop 3D motion animation? Oh. No. Stop motion. <laughs> okay. Oh, weird. The only All thing right. I ever know from stop motion is the old classic Christmas movies. So <laughs> there are definitely more modern ones. Oh, Interesting. okay. I am mm. all I can think of is Wallace and Gromit or Gumby. Go back. Go back. Those are too modern. No, no, not go back. Go back to the first one of that. I will say <laughs> you are very close in guessing Wallace and Gromit. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, uh, Chicken Run. Oh, chicken run. chicken run. I remember Chicken Run. Oh, I forgot remember, there was a con man. Uh, Is the con man the yeah. rooster? Yes, that it's Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. He has the whole thing where he's like, I can help you fly, and I'm the flying chicken. And then he, at the end, he's like, I can't fly at all. We're going to have to figure out a new plan. <laughs> I was lying to you the whole time. God, it, do they also come up with crazy contraptions? I feel like they there, do. Yeah. There's the pot pie machine, yes. and then they build themselves a fly a flying machine. Okay. Yeah. It's like a giant bird. I remember uh, nothing about they, like, this movie it. other than it was Mel Gibson. Uh, I vaguely I, remember this being an allegory for like the Jew camps of the uh, of World War Two. Like they're trying to get out of this camp because it's a terrible place and they're fenced in. <laughs> I have to. Is this a real thing? Because I don't remember that. I mean, I can see that. I mean, maybe I have never I was putting, heard of it, but I, I maybe suppose I'm putting it could too be. much on it for a Jonas movie. I, I, I mean, it could be a real thing. I don't know. Uh. <laughs> uh. Well, that will be. Uh, a fun yeah. One. Okay. Well, this is a a personal. It's not official, but on its personal website, uh, AlfredSullivan.com. Chicken Run as a metaphor for Jewish Holocaust. 
Who is he? I don't know. Also, Reddit. Reddit has one. Chicken Run is Holocaust Don't movie. trust Reddit. I'm just saying, I'm not the only one who has made this comparison okay. before. It's not an official comparison, but I'm not the only one who's made it. I, I can definitely see how you would make that. I, I was more it. confused on the idea that it was an official, like, that yeah, was yeah, yeah. what right. the movie was I, about. I've never but heard no. it before, but it makes sense that somebody would come up with that. As, as like, a Reddit theory, I totally believe that. Um, no, I remember that they, it, they were on a farm and there was like the guard dogs that looked basically like um, Gromit. Mm. They were the same dog mm-hmm. design. Also, I think that design was, dog design was used again for Sean the Sheep. Um, oh. Sean the Sheep. Yeah. I've never It's by heard the same people. Yeah. I it, mean, was a, it was a Disney show, kids show. It was. All right. So I don't remember a lot of it. I'm going to look up the poster for this movie to see if that jogs my memory. They there was pop this evil pop pie yeah, machine yeah, that yeah. they had to the, escape. The, was it a lady? Was it was it a lady or the man who owned the, the farm? There was it was it was a couple, but I think it was the wife that was really the more yeah, evil. Yeah, oh I, I thought the guy was kind of nice to them. But so I am. She I am was looking. making pot. She was making pot pies out of the chickens, and they were trying to get yes. away so that they wouldn't all get killed. Because, well, it started, I think it was an egg farm. But yes. she found but out the pies like, would be more, make uh, more money. Well, what do you do with the chickens once they stop laying eggs? And they're like, we'll turn them into pot pies. And then the pot pies ended up making money. And they're like, we must escape. So I am so looking they, at the poster for Chicken Run. Uh, it does say at the top, from the creators of Wallace and Gromit. Yes. And yeah. the the character design for the humans is so very yes. close to that style. They, so much so that the the woman looks like her husband. Like they have one standard face that looks more male than female. Um, it, it's um, Ardman Studios, I think is what it's called. And, and they have a very, very specific style. Mm-hmm. Um, they also did Flushed Away, the rat one where... I don't recall. I don't know if I ever saw that. Okay. Maybe it's just I that. have seen um, it, but it was a long time ago. But they've also done like Shaun the Sheep. And they did the Pirates movie, if anyone remembers that one nope. from a, uh, 2012. The Pirates Who Don't Do Anything? No. No, they were the Pirates <laughs> in the Adventures with Scientists. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I saw it at all. Uh, but they have a very, very specific style. Okay. I well, do yeah, remember that I liked this movie when I have when I saw it before, but I don't remember much about it now. I remember like people not liking it, hmm. and I don't know. I loved this movie. I watched it a lot, which I don't know why. I guess people I thought people didn't like it because apparently it's it's the highest grossing stop motion animation film. Interesting. Yeah, I I remember liking it, but I don't remember a lot. Or at about least it was it. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's still oh, really? the highest grossing. Well, that makes sense. I think, well, that also means that we moved away from stop motion. I mean, maybe Fantastic Mr. Fox could give it a run for its money, but I think that's the most Kubo modern. Kubo and the Two Strings is Oh, is you're stop right. Motion. Yeah, good point. Shaun the Sheep had several movies. The Little Prince, The Box Trolls. Hmm. All right. Paranorman you, was you know much. Frank and Weenie. Yeah, Coraline. Um, yeah, all those all right, Tim Burton fair movies. Enough. They, I think it tends to be a lot more of the smaller studios mm-hmm. still want to do it. Because, I mean, they are extremely time-consuming. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but, I mean, I I love stop motion. There's a lot of ones I like. I love uh, Nightmare for Christmas. I love The Corpse Bride. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Well, I am excited to see this. Uh, it'll be good to go back to this one because I, I like the Road Del Dorado. I don't remember a lot about it. 
Uh, but why don't we close that off here? Sarah, would you like to do plugs? Yes. So you can find us um, at our Facebook, which is... I don't even know. I lost my piece of paper. <laughs> uh, just search Retrograding on Facebook. You should be able to find us. I have it written somewhere. Where did I put it? Yeah, I think it's just Retrograding Podcast page. I think so. Uh, yes, Retrograding Podcast. And you obviously have found us at our website at retrograding.fireside.fm. So. Yeah. And why don't we do the Twitter? I think we'll be slowly okay. phasing that out, but let's... At least until yes. people really demand it. Mm -hmm. um, but you can find us at retrograding pod at twitter all right we also have a fan cage just for fans but you can find that through our facebook all right you kind of mumbled there to clarify this is this is not a fan cage we're not capturing <laughs> our fans this is a fan page yes where you can hang out with other fans yes all right who we so, have captured in a cage <laughs> yes <laughs> that's how you get your first five fans <laughs> <laughs> oh boy alright well we're going to close it out with the final segment guys I learned something today so something you guys can mull over for the next two weeks something I picked up from this film simply friendship is the greatest treasure except for women so I was going to close out this episode of retrograding we will catch you guys next time when we do chicken run follow clues to find a lost civilization who uh a take that again oh it just for the fact that the credit music makes no sense <laughs> like the credits music is oh i didn't even we'll listen to other. it once we get to I the credits i was like see each other on a street corner and we'll just know and we'll meet again somewhere soon this song would have made a lot more sense earlier in the movie <laughs> not at the point where they're they're friends again and they're all back together who are they gonna meet again soon who are they going to meet on a street corner? Uh, the it chief like, of El Dorado. Apparently. It felt just really like some of the songs that just felt like they're like, well, let's just throw some Elton John songs in there. Because they didn't feel like movie songs. They just felt like, hey, Elton John wrote a song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we will agree to disagree on the music. I hated it. Aha. Aha ha.